Hello, and welcome to the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. Today's guest is Don Spence in the case of the damaged diversity. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. Knowing what one should do is often harder than actually doing it. Professional development is a lifelong endeavor, technology included. So as I sipped a full-bodied, home-roasted Arabica, I decided to investigate social networking. The other day, Coded attempted to teach me about Twitter, the online instant communication tool where users tweet their activities or news. As I followed a conversation on forest pathogens, I noticed one tweet with a link to the Lepidoptera Festival at the University of Florida. Being a Lepidoptera aficionado, I clicked the link and learned about the Florida Museum of Natural History's excellent exhibits and an upcoming symposium on plant-insect interactions. Coded and I could use a few more CEUs. Housed in the museum, the McGuire Center for Biodiversity brimmed with excellent exhibits and collections. One species in particular caught my attention. It was a butterfly with a pair of iridescent blue dots between two rows of bright yellow teardrop spots. These are the Palamides swallowtail, Papilio palamides, a voice announced from my right. During their larval stage, two large dorsal eye spots create the illusion of a larger animal, like the head of a snake or a tree frog. As the tour guide and her group moved past us, her voice carried back. The larval hosts for the Palamedes are in the Lauraceae family. Coded and I left Gainesville and headed east, bisecting Florida's eastern ecosystems. We traveled over dry scrub and sandhill ridges, through and around cypress wetlands, and into a maritime forest, as the sinuous road took us through live oak, Quercus virginiana, canopies, peppered with Spanish moss, Tillandsia usneoides, and native bromeliads, Tillandsia species. Our quiet reverie was interrupted by the ringing of my cell phone. Laurel Linnae, municipal arborist of a nearby community, explained that a city park was experiencing a large-scale die-off of trees. The park, she said, is at Matanzas Inlet, where dozens of trees have died within the last month. I've ruled out all the simple explanations, so something more is amiss. I've looked through the literature, but have come up empty, Laurel lamented. Then I remembered reading in Arborist News about how you helped Mrs. A Colonel in Illinois with a tree decay problem, and I was hoping you could do the same for us. Ma'am, I responded, I happen to be just an hour or so from your community, and I will be there by 2 o'clock p.m. Tree Mortality We'll make a short detour and see if we can figure out what happened, I said to Coded. We arrived at the city offices to discuss the scope of services and contract with the assistant city manager. While waiting, I noticed a brochure with a bodacious beauty in blue beckoning Bon Voyage to a dazzling white cruise ship heading out to sea. The brochure boasted the city's new port, promising economic opportunities, international travel, and commerce. When does the first ship arrive? I inquired of the clerk. It was here three months ago, chimed the clerk. And what a way to start. They'd only been at the dock for just a few hours when they had some kind of cargo mishap. They had to take all that stuff to the landfill. We got a little more than we bargained for. Several tons of refuse and a hundred tourists from Asia, who all needed some place to stay. The next day, Coded and I headed out to Matanza's Inlet Park. It was a beautiful day, and all the picnic sites and fire pits were taken. I surveyed the western portion of the park, while Coded surveyed the eastern. Lots of dead trees, but no conspicuous external damage or pathogens, said Coded. 
The dead leaves of the trees are mostly still attached. Pendate. My survey revealed the same, I agreed. Well, Codet, what do we know? I asked. Not much. The survey of the park revealed dead trees, all of the same species, with no evidence of damage of any kind. No trunk damage, no cavities, no soil compaction or disturbance, and no evidence of a tidal overwash that could have affected the trees near the inlet and estuary. Dissect some wood and call me. I need to step back and make an accounting of the clues. I'll talk to you after lunch. Inspiration needs to be fed. I'm meeting Mrs. Linnae at the Dancing Avocado Kitchen. She said it is well known for its guacamole and quesadillas. What about me? asked Codet. I'll bring you back something good, I promise, I said. I recognized Laurel as soon as she entered the cafe. She had a gait and confidence that only comes from years of climbing. Detective Dendro, thanks for making time in your schedule, said the tall woman with hazel eyes. I'm Laurel Linnae. It is a pleasure to meet you. As I shook her hand, I assured her the pleasure was all mine. As we sat down, I recounted our work that day to Mrs. Linnae. Laurel, we'll get to the bottom of the mystery, rest assured. After I ordered a cheeseburger with extra onions, we dove into our appetizer, guacamole. What a curious but delicious appetizer, I thought as I dipped my chip into the grain concoction. I wondered if Floridians know how lucky they were to have avocados as an agricultural crop. In the middle of my second dip, Codet called. I sectioned the wood, made some sketches, and cataloged the samples, Codet said excitedly. I saw a pattern, black streaks in the xylem of all the samples. The streaks were present in the sapwood just below the cambium layer. They occurred as both narrow and broad bands. A, a fungus, fungus, we said in unison. Yeah. Further inward, I found another familiar pattern, a gallery created by boring insects. I remembered from my plant pathology class that the elm bark beetle, Scoletus multistriatus, makes a distinct gallery. I think I've solved the mystery, Dendro. I'm pretty sure it is Dutch elm disease, but on a new host. Don't be too hasty, I told him. Arborists must not jump to conclusions. Collect all the data first, and then we can discuss a possible cause. I pocketed my cell and told Laurel the news. He thinks he's solved the mystery. He says it's Dutch elm disease. Ophiostoma ulmi. Well, I have some bad news for him, Laurel said. Although we have American elm, Ulmus americana, in Atlantic shores... We have not yet, knock on wood, had Dutch elm disease show up. And this is a coastal park. Helms don't do so well with the salt spray. I promptly asked for another cup of coffee. As I dialed Codet's number, Laurel went on to inform me that the dead trees were red bay, a common southern tree in the genus Persia, a family of trees not related to elms. So we know who the victim is, but we still don't have any suspects, I said. Laurel and I met up with Coded, who had just finished bagging the samples to be sent to the lab. I have an old friend at the University of Florida's Doctor of Plant Medicine program, DPM. We will send the samples there. For the present, we have done all we can, Laurel. We will know more when the samples are cultured and the insects identified. 
then maybe we'll have some answers. Arriving back at HQ the next evening, I noticed the blinking light of the message machine. The message said of a dead tree with the leaves still attached, with a description of the tree that matches the Inlet Park trees. Having only been back long enough to feed my koi, I headed back to Gainesville, sensing urgency in this case. I met with Dr. William Duvall of the DPM program. The fungus that coated collected is new, Duvall explained. It is unknown to North America, although similar to Dutch elm disease, this fungus, Raphelia laricola, seems to reproduce sexually, and there is more. We were able to extract an insect from the wood. It was an ambrosia beetle, Xyloborus glabratus, unknown to North America and Asian in origin. These little things are two millimeters long and brownish-black. I'm not surprised you didn't find any sign of them in the field. It had to have been carried here, I thought, in wood. I remember the clerk from Atlantic Shores saying that there was some refuse that was taken to the landfill, and the passengers had to find lodging in town. Could the refuse or one of the passengers have unwittingly brought this beetle and fungus with them? What about the calls of dying trees from other parts of Florida? Could the merry picnickers have taken infected wood home with them and hastened the spread of the disease? It seems unlikely that these events occurred in isolation. I related Dr. Duvall's findings to Ms. Linnae. Based on the activity of this beetle and fungus, it appears that there is no stopping this new disease coined laurel wilt. However, there is an interest in trying a fungicide injection treatment on bay trees not yet infected. The forest pathologists recommend leaving infected wood in place, discourage people from moving it around. In the light of the data that had been gathered, I was sad to think that tens of thousands of trees may die due to this disease. It turns out that not only are red bays susceptible, but swamp bay, Persea palustris, scrub bay, Persea humilis, avocado, Persea americana, sassafras, sassafras albidum, pond spice, Litsea estivalis, and pondberry, Lindera melissifolia, are also susceptible. Of particular concern are the avocado farms in South Florida, and the fate of the beautiful Palamedes swallowtail butterfly, whose only hosts are in the laurel family of trees. The case illustrates how the introduction of an exotic organism has created another biodiversity crisis. Case in point... Dutch elm disease, and chestnut blight. The names were changed to protect the innocent. However, laurel wilt probably did enter Savannah, Georgia, in a wood product, and spread in a similar manner. In just five years, the beetle and fungus have invaded 15 of Florida's 67 counties. Currently, laurel, Laraceae, family seed collection is taking place, and fungicide injection treatment experiments undertaken to assess the potential value of pre- and post-infection treatments. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. You can earn CEUs for this podcast. Just use the code DD1613 to complete the quiz. And stay tuned for the next ones. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture.